0: Welcome to the Booker Prize podcast. With me, James Walton,
1: and me, Joe Hamia.
0: And today we've got um, a special episode which we recorded at the Booker Prize um, ceremony, winners ceremony, on Sunday, where Joe and I went around slightly spoiling people's evenings by sticking microphones in their faces and asking them how they were doing, together with obviously some of the key moments, the speeches, the winners announcement, and lots more. So uh, you join us before the ceremony, Joe. Do you want to describe what it's like?
1: What it's like? I mean. What was your description, James? I actually really liked it. Oh,
0: it's like NASA. It, I mean, <laughs> it really is. We're on this sort of platform and there's like a million screens and that I think is just for the live stream, it's not for the telly. Yeah. And there's a lot of sort of Harris-looking book of people running about. Um,
1: We've uh, been given special wristbands.
0: Yep, yeah, which uh, I think you believe spoils, slightly spoils your yeah, accessorising. It's,
1: it's ruining my outfit, but I'm trying not to let it get to me. <laughs>
0: OK, Jen. this is a bit of a hostage to fortune, but as I say, this is before... I think, I think the judges have met and have decided the winner, but they haven't told anybody, yeah. including us, yeah. which I'm pleased about. I'd much rather it was a surprise. <laughs> I was like that with my children, actually. I didn't want to know the... Judge. Anyway, <laughs> that's, 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 that's me <laughs> that's, I haven't
1: that's, even had any champagne yet, James. <laughs>
0: yeah, sorry, that's, uh, that, that's me saying. So I didn't want to know whether they're boys or girls. Let's see what happens. It's like unwrapping a present before Christmas. Anyway, so this is a bit of a hostage to fortune, really, but in case, you know, if people heard our shortlist... Two shows in which we said the books we liked and the books we didn't. Um, Who do you you think will win? Who do you would like to win?
1: I know who I would like. I would love it to be Sarah Bernstein for Study for Obedience. Um, And I mean, what an incredible year that would be for her because she's just won the Giller Prize.
0: She was on the Grant of that's the young British novelist yes
1: and she's just had a baby which is so nice and I think she's going to be here with her baby um, so I, I I would really love that for her and I love her book um, who I think will win I think honestly I think it's gonna be one of the pools and I know that like statistically that's a really safe answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 50 because, 50, 50 in fact. Um, three out of six but actually I think the bee sting is probably the most sort of easy to get along with novel. Um, And then Prophet Song I think is a good option because it it parallels so well with a lot of the news cycle in the past few months. And then this other reading I suppose is exactly that what you said in that shortlist podcast episode, James, that it's the kind of novel that readers seem to want in this day and age, a very virtuous, very moral novel. And I guess it would be a kind of, not that it's a feel-good book, but it makes the reader feel good to like it, it right? Know
0: so and it only says all, all the right things. Um, yeah. Um, I I read an interesting piece and thing. as was an Observer last week which suggesting, I think I agree with this, that The Beasting is so obviously the best book out of these that... Um, that almost might be to his disadvantage because what are the judges going to do? They're going to spend the last few months just saying to each other, "Well, obviously it's the beasting." Mm. I mean, I, I would even put it to you, Joe, that you suddenly you were team beasting for ages, weren't you? And then you suddenly went to a, a study for obedience, and I just wondered if you got bored of saying, "Well, it's obviously the beasting."
1: No, no, I still love the beasting, and I've been pressing it into my friends' hands th- this whole time since I read it. I just think, I think part of what makes a book a winner is that sort of privilege of being able to reread a novel and get new things from it every time. And I think that definitely happened to me with the Bernstein where I think by now I've read it something like four or five times and it just reveals itself to me more and more each time. And I genuinely do think like it's a stunning accomplishment of a book, but it's so hard to say this year because they are all sort of, not that they're not accomplished. I mean, one of them has a Pulitzer, one of them has like, I think by now she's got two Giller prizes, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, that's
0: Canadian Canada's leading literary prize.
1: Yes, um, it's not like they're uh, unaccomplished, but they are like fairly under the radar compared to your usual Rushdie's, Atwoods, Julian Barnes's right? So it's sort of like we've got a bit of a blank slate of a of a shortlist in terms of who might be a favourite, and that's why it's so hard to say. No,
0: that's interesting. I mean, I think I bet booksellers are calling for the bee because I think the beach sting would make you know great Christmas present for every sort of reader M- more than books you have to read four or five times do you? you're a high-minded <laughs> min- high
1: woman I am a high-minded woman um, but, uh, but not high so high-minded that I won't go and have three glasses of so. Champagne instead of our standard two. (laughs) Do you know the bit I'm really looking forward to in the evening is there has been this menu. I think it's fake, but I don't entirely know this menu for the dinner circulating on Twitter and on it, everything is like a crab meal. Everything has crab on it. People on Twitter have been losing their minds, right? So the second we sit down for dinner, James, the first thing I'm looking at is the menu, and we're going to tell the good people of social media whether or not we ate three crab courses.
0: I haven't looked at who's on my table yet. Do you, do you know who's on yours?
1: I know that Graham McRae Burnett is going to be sitting somewhere oh, near me. So friend of the show. Friend of the show, so you know, shout out Graham. We'll see if he, if he really did have as good a time as he said. You know, If he gives me the cold shoulder, we'll know that it was all just... It was a terrible experience yes, for him. It was
0: all showbiz hollowness. <laughs> I've been to booker dinners before, where and it, 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 it does make a bit of a difference to the evening actually, whether they have a jolly table or not. Yeah, and an though, interesting I don't, table uh, goes a long way because yeah. you're
1: stuck there for like an hour.
0: Yeah, and I don't, I don't think I can be completely jolly. <laughs> having, having to reflect on the evening and make uh, astute insights as the evening goes on, and we'll we'll sort of wander off separately, won't we? And then bum, come back together every now and then see yeah. how we're getting on.
1: Circulate and ooze intelligence, as that famous British Bridget Jones quote goes. <laughs> That's right. A,
0: and just get in people's way. So, well, then, listen, have a cracking night, Joe, and I'll see you from
1: time to time. Yeah. Oh my God, please come save me if I look like I'm in trouble.
0: And vice versa, please. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, I, I'm actually really excited to be talking to Paul Lynch, author of Profit Song, which uh, listeners of the podcast all know was one of my top three out of the shortlist. And um, I guess, you know, you're one of the only six people tonight who can tell me what it's like to be eating a book of dinner, knowing that in maybe about half an hour, the results are going oh, to God. be in. Oh, God. How is it going? What's it like to be inside your head right there, now?
2: There, there are two states of mind. There's this sort of, you know, the, the deeper part of one's mind that one can access on, you know, maybe in states of, of fine meditation where you know that what's happening is beautiful, that it's, that it's a joy to be here, that it's a rare privilege. That you sort of ascend it in a kind of way and that one should recognize this and enjoy it. And then there's the other side, the inner child, and he's just, what's he doing? Okay, let's see what he's doing. Well, the inner child is screaming. He, he's, he, what, what he's asking for is a curtain that when you walk through the door for the dinner, you actually get taken into this, into this room and you get the bullet in the back of your head. Uh, and then you, you kind of stumble out. I've just been shot on the head. <laughs> and then you eat your dinner knowing that that you haven't won. That would be the easy, easiest way Have to you actually
1: it. eaten? It doesn't sound like you could eat. I uh, yeah, <laughs> in that it's, frame it's of mind struggle. Genuinely,
2: <laughs> I feel I feel awful.
1: Well, I mean, is there a highlight for tonight for you?
2: Yeah, Paul Murray handed me a beta blocker.
1: <laughs> and there I go. <laughs> oh I'm my serious. god, good for you. We're both
2: on beta blockers <laughs> right
1: now. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. The you world now <laughs> knows this. You should see what's happening in the smoking area upstairs, honestly. I encourage you to go there if you want some calm. I
2: I, I don't smoke, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I I, I might be blended tonight. Who knows?
1: Um, Anyone that you've particularly enjoyed meeting? I know that a lot of you are meeting for the first time, the six of you.
2: I have thoroughly enjoyed meeting the group. Um, One of the things in particular we've all commented upon is the fact that there are no outsized egos in the group. Mm. This is really important. I've been on shortlist before, and there's always... One who thinks they own the place, and I like to nibble at them and take them down slowly, piece by piece. <laughs> but this group, they're marvelous, and I've the banter, the crack, as we say, has just been wonderful. The train—we've been on the trains, trains missed, we're missing trains, trains just not turning up, um, trains stuck on the track. This is this has been the last couple of days, and it's just been—it's been marvelous. Pa- uh, Paul Harding is is quite the comedian, and. At one point, you know, we were arriving back in London from Hay. We were completely and utterly exhausted. And he just goes, I don't know if this
3: is the saddest or the happiest day of my life.
2: <laughs> and we were all just, you know, we were high on exhaustion. And, and it was the funniest thing I would heard in ages. So, you know, that's that's been the group. It's a beautiful group of people and I'm, a, it's an, it's a real privilege to know them.
1: It's been a privilege speaking to you. Thank you so much. My and pleasure. Good luck for tonight. Honestly, ah, I hope that beatable is ah, kicked in by now.
0: God. Thanks. So, but this is quite an exciting one. Joined um, mid-dinner by Paul Murray, author of *The Beasting. Sting*. And uh, forgive the unimaginativeness of the question, but uh, what, what's it like having a dinner in these circumstances?
3: Um, it's it's deeply surreal. Uh, I think I think this week has probably been the craziest week of, of my life. In fact, it has been by some distance. Uh, and this is sort of the, the crescendo or the pinnacle of the craziness. Uh, so it's gone sort of beyond crazy. So I feel oddly. I sort of serene, uh, for good for sort bad, of out of body. By yeah, now, exactly, is it? exactly, and it's not a bad place to be. No, it's not. No, yeah. no it's very
0: nice. Yeah. So, so, you tasting your food and things, or is it?
3: Uh, just I'm like? a, well, I'm, I'm, I, I'm getting through this, I'm getting through this. I mean, it's, 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 it feels like a dinner that's taking a very long time, uh, but, but, uh, I'm, I'm dutifully <laughs> chewing. And, chewing and, my food. And has the small Swallowing. talk. has the small talk going. The small talk. Has again. I mean, no. I'm at, I'm at a table full of very brilliant uh, editorial uh, folks from Hamish Hamilton. So they're a joy to talk to. Um, I'm probably not an amazing company because I keep on just like, sort of drifting into like reveries of dread. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, just, just announcing already. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> if they told us first, you know, uh, you know, you've, you've lost. Uh, you could just eat your food and say, think, here's a free meal? Fantastic." But. Um, that's and, not how but, but it's,
0: well. it is. It yeah. is a brutal process. Well, listen. Thanks very much for sparing us the time in the middle of oh, this you. brutal process, thank you. and uh, the best of luck.
1: Great. So I'm here with Robert Webb, who's been judging the Booker Prize this year. How has it been? I know this is the key question everyone's asking you, but
4: Do you know, there's been quite a lot of reading. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: you never believe it. Yes,
4: but um, it was it was great, really. I mean, it's very hard. It's like a, a, a year-long essay crisis. Because yeah. why aren't you reading? You should be reading. Are you? Why are you standing there? You should be reading. Do
1: you have like a measuring system for how much you should have read, how much you didn't, how much you've gotten over with?
4: Just general self-loathing, uh, <laughs> self-criticism, certainly trying to kick myself up the bum. Uh, no, I didn't have a system. Um, no notes or anything? Oh, there were certainly notes. There were many, many notes. So we would read like uh, 30 or so, 25 to 30 novels, and then we'd have a meeting at the end of the month, which and the meetings were always uh, very convivial. Sadly they were usually over Zoom because two of the judges were uh, outside the UK um, so you never really got to you know know their smells uh, or look them in the eye. I, I was definitely on my best behavior uh, but then the long list meeting and the short list meeting, the winners meeting were um, so you know at the end of the process we all got together in, in actual rooms uh, and that was um, they were just a lot more fun.
1: How big of a factor is compromise in this kind of thing?
4: I mean, the compromise is kind of built into it because you know you've got five different people and they all bring their own stuff to it. Um, So, I mean it's a very subjective thing obviously what you think is a is a terrific book we did have a sort of agreed set of criteria and then you know you kind of go back to what you were taught at school and you, so you have a kind of bunch of ideas about what's what's a good thing but essentially it's an emotional response you either love this book or you quite like it or it you know you find uh, it sags in the middle or whatever you know whatever it is and then you have these ideas about what it's good that you kind of recruit and you bring in to sort of rationalise what is essentially an emotional response so everyone knows that's what's happening but we um and then we kind of try and persuade each other
1: thank well thank you so much for speaking to us thank you take you. up any more of your night i know this is like your first free night in a long time
4: but so. well, the nights are fine It's so the days
1: you know. <laughs> thank you so
4: thank much you. take care
0: i'm joined here by a jerry randos one of the judges what, what what's it like being one of the few people in the room who knows who's won
5: Well, you just, you have to keep your cards close to your chest, don't you? Um, uh, As I've said about the whole process, the whole thing has been an enormous privilege. You know, to to, to read that many pieces of a a human heart, uh, to read the work and the reflections of so many great artists is an enormous privilege. Um, And so to have uh, in in my heart and mind the person who we have... um, decided to make the Booker Prize winner for this year is the privilege of all privileges. Um, so I it, know, it's
0: it's just a shortlist like this where, where nobody's been shortlisted before, so one person, their lives will be changed in the space well, of about four words, you know, I think, and the winner I think, is, and then bam. I think
5: the whole shortlist lives will be changed. Yeah. Um, and I, Frankly, I think the long list, it starts with the long list. Once you get onto that first list and the attention starts to build. Um, and, I, you know, as an artist, I know how hard it is to make the work. My husband's a novelist and uh, art takes a long time. And artists are rarely uh, rewarded commensurately. So, um, so it's an enormous responsibility uh, when you're, um, you know, considering people for a prize of this.
0: Uh, did you enjoy being a judge?
5: I enjoyed it intensely, oh, and I'm going to be very sad not to meet with this group of people to talk about art, uh, nor to dive into the richness of, 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 of this level of reading.
0: And, a- and after you finish, finished, do you think, right, that's it, I'm going to read some non-fiction or just a, a thriller or a-, a little romance, or you- are you going to keep going with the serious fiction for a while?
5: Um, I- I'm, I- my tastes are quite Catholic, um, so I'm happy to read anything. I think. I think, I, I mean, obviously, it's unlikely that I will read at this, you know, at this quantity level in the near future. But I certainly, I think, will make more... My, my, my eldest daughter does this. She, um, she reads the long list every year. She's done it for years and years and years. Oh, wow. So um, I think I might copy my daughter. And what did she make of your long list? She thought it was a good long list. and She would say if she didn't. She thought it was it was a it was an interesting and broad list. Which, which it was. Which I think it was as well. Yeah. Welcome,
0: welcome. Uh, Congratulations on all the work. Thank and That's you. it. No more books to have to read for a little while, yeah. uh, and enjoy the evening.
1: Yeah, thank you. You too. Cheers. So, uh, listeners of the podcast will know the voice of Graham McRae Burnett, who we interviewed about his bloody project. Amazing Hi. to be here. We've been sitting together all night. Have yes. you enjoyed my company? I
6: have absolutely <laughs> enjoyed your company, too. It's um, been absolutely fabulous.
1: So you were just saying that you might want Western Lane to win?
6: Well, it's, I've read the book. I really, really like the book. And it's, it's kind of a miniature, but I love a miniature. <laughs> I love a book that pays attention to the minutiae of life. And although it feels like a small book, it kind of expands in the reading of it, so, you know, who knows, you know, I mean, any of them are going to be a worthy winner, absolutely, but we'll see, we'll see in about 10 minutes, I guess.
1: Well, I actually haven't asked anyone this question tonight because it feels kind of trite, but you were talking about it earlier and I feel like you'd be really good at answering it. What do you think the, the value of the Booker Prize actually is?
6: I can only speak from my own experience and uh, having been shortlisted in 2016, it was absolutely transformative to my career as a writer. Mm. And I guess for some of the writers who are shortlisted this this year, who are not so well known as, as I wasn't, it's gonna have a similar kind of effect. And like, I spent, even although I didn't win, you know, I still spent the next year um, traveling on the back of being shortlisted for the Booker Prize. So absolutely transformative. I think it, it, it provided a platform for a bunch of books that nobody's ever heard of and readers go, oh, maybe I'll give that a go. And as an author, that's all you can ask for, visibility for your books.
1: What has been your favorite part of the night so far?
6: Obviously, spending uh, dinner with you. Oh, come on. <laughs> um,
1: o- obviously, other than me, <laughs> before you I, I, got to dinner. It's,
6: it's nice to be here. And to, uh, it's nice to be here uh, without any pressure on myself. I, I didn't have a novel out this year, so I can just come and enjoy the evening. I've met more, more people. I discovered I know more people in publishing um, <laughs> than I thought I did. So that's been really nice, you know.
1: Perfect, thank you so much.
6: My pleasure.
0: Okay, Joe, so we meet after the uh, main
1: course. After
0: the main course. Ox cheek in... Was it ox cheek? It was, it was very much ox cheek. Oh my God,
1: it wasn't seasoned.
0: No. <laughs> I was, was all right, though, wasn't it? How's, what's your table like?
1: My table is great. I'm with Graham Gray Burnett. I'm with Martin McInnes and his team. Everyone seems Martin to... Martin McInnes who
0: wrote In Ascension. In Ascension highly fancied long-listed. on the long list. And
1: I really wanted it on the long shockingly list. Shockingly not shortlisted. I to some, him, which might not be very professional, but, you know. Um, but it's, it's really great vibes. Everyone seems to be just... Relaxed, having a good time. I mean, no one on my table is expecting to win a book of prize in the next half an hour. So,
0: no, I, I, I'm on the nice table too. We've got um, James Shapiro, is one of the judges. but I'm, I'm sort of quite close to his wife, who's very, um, very nice. She teaches literature in, in America. Oh. Uh, agrees with our theory of excessive virtue in virtuousness in books. Just, oh, yes, and sitting next to a guy, John Killane, I think it's called. he's called, um, uh, he's the London correspondent for RTE, which is the Irish BBC. And so, I think he's here hoping to cover Irish um, triumph.
1: And now we're about to hear the announcement for the winner of the Booker Prize 2023.
7: So now the moment has come to announce the winner of the 2023 Booker Prize. The trophy will be presented by last year's winner, Shehan Karunatalaka. And joining me on stage is also this year's Chair of Judges, the novelist Essie Idujin, who was, of course, nominated herself for the prize. And she'll be saying a few words before announcing the winner. Welcome. Reading for this year's Booker Prize transported not only me, but all of the judges back into that realm of the possible As a jury, you're looking for something that startles, that shakes you from complacency, something that you know in your bones is exquisite. With its enormous impact on writers and readers, the Booker Prize insists that books are lives, that the different worlds that they open us to are crucial for our sense of wholeness in our own. We sought a winning novel. That would transport us. We sought a winning novel that might speak to the immediate moment while also possessing the possibility of outlasting it. In these troubled times, we sought a novel with a guiding vision, a book to remind us that we are more than ourselves, to remind us of all that is worth saving. And now, I am delighted to announce that the winner of the Booker Prize 2023 is *Prophet Song* by Paul Lynch. So the winner is Paul Lynch for *Prophet Song*, standing up, giving a hug to people sitting inside side of him, clearly emotionally moved.
2: There goes my hard-won anonymity. This was not an easy book to write. The rational part of me believed I was dooming my career by writing this novel, though I had to write the book anyway. We do not have a choice in such matters. To quote the apocryphal gospels, if you use what is within you, what is within you will save you. If you do not use what is within you, what is within you will destroy you. My writing has saved me. <clears throat> I, I believe that literary style should be a way of knowing how the world is met and its unfolding. Sentences should press into the unknown moment, into the most obscure, hidden aspects of life, that, that which is barely known but asking to be revealed. To my agent, Simon Truen, thank you for being my consigliere. To my publisher, Juliet Mayby, and All At One World, three times, Juliet, you've done this. Extraordinary. <laughs> thank you for having faith in my writing. I want to thank the Booker Jury for the extraordinary effort of reading so many books in such short time. I want to thank my publicist, Margot Wheel and Cormac Kinsella, Louise Dobbin at Rep Force, Elizabeth Schmitz at Grove and all the team in the US. Francis Jeffardt, Isabella Ferretti, Belinda McKeown and Una Frawley and all at Maynooth University and the the writing program there. Thank you to the Arts Council of Ireland and to Sarah Bannon in particular, whose support and generous funding made this book and so many other worthy Irish novels possible. Thank you, Amelie and Elliot, my beautiful children, and all the children of this world who need our protection yet have lived and continue to live through the terrors depicted in this book. Thank you for opening our eyes to innocence so that we may know the world again as though for the first time. Camus used to tell himself quietly to live to the point of tears. Well, let me tell you, winning the Booker Prize does just that. Thank you so very much. It is with immense pleasure that I bring the Booker home to Ireland.
0: So, um, so joined by uh, Fred Studerman who's the uh, FT's Literary Editor, Financial Times Literary Editor, who uh, joined us quite, well, seems quite a long time ago when The Long List first came out. That was so, wonderful. That was so, gosh, that was, we were at the beginning of a great journey. <laughs> and, and, now... <laughs> and now we're at the
8: end of the same journey. What, what, what did you make of the winner? Well, do you know what? This uh, was intriguing because I'd actually been reading, the way I was reading them, I came to this rather late in my cycle and I, I had sort of conflicting thoughts about it just when I, when, you know, when we'd originally spoken about yeah. the whole concept of it. Um, but it did kind of grab me in a way. And I was, uh, there's a part of me that thought initially, like, hang on, totalitarianism in Ireland. And then I sort of had to think, well, actually, no, that's not so wild. <laughs> in- um, and there, I there's did-
0: there's some, some rather mischievous chat on our table that the um, far right riot in Dublin this week.
8: Uh, Bad news in many ways, quite good news for Paul Lynch. Well, do you know what, I think a lot of people thought that as well, but uh, the judges said um, they they went out of their way to stress, and that that was the word used, stress, that 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 was not a factor in deciding who the winner was. Um, They did say that, you know, uh, there had been some back and forth, that it wasn't unanimous to begin with. Also, does this mean you've got some slight judges' goss? i don 't know if it's judges goss I just know what i've i've been able to write in my news story so you know uh which is well which was basically that you know there was um a, a vigorous exchange of views i think is the, the the fair way of describing it, but ultimately they ended up in a place where everyone was happy to agree i think but uh doesn't mean it was you know uncontested
0: and, and, and to be and to be honest uh, um It's a book that I can imagine selling well and people enjoying, can you? I
8: I could, yeah, because I think, um, okay, you've referenced the Dublin riot, you know, the riots we saw, and and that is very immediate. That will, well, assuming there aren't further incidents, will uh, obviously wane. But I think it taps into um, some really deep issues, actually, because it does say, I mean, he's talked about, Paul Lynch, the author, has talked about seeing the events is not what's happened in dublin recently i think he was inspired by syria and it is this notion what happens when society falls apart and how do individuals respond and as much as we can ever divine this you know as individuals you often don't assume you, you delay the realization of just how how serious this is should you flee should you pack up get out go away And that's reflected in the book and just how you then tumble into a situation of where nothing that you've taken for certain exists you know holds anymore um and 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 i think that suddenly feels very yeah very very relevant right now very contemporaneous and i think anyone is you know if you actually if you look back in modern european history of just the last 100 years or so you see, it happened to a lot of people. That sense of something that everything was fine until it wasn't fine, yeah. and then it gets very dark. And how do you cope on a daily individual level, which is what he explores in many ways? In a way, I think the FT reviewer said, ultimately, it's about what if this happened to me? How would you respond?
0: Yes, no, that, that, that is interesting. Uh, oh, Well, thanks very much, Fred. Thanks
8: for, no, thanks for thank those. you.
0: It's great to be able to oh, oh. talk to you again after, at the end of this process,
1: James. You were downstairs, I wasn't. Well, we? yeah, you were I was doing, some, you
0: know, doing some young people's thing. Oh,
1: I know, exhausting, exhausting to be so popular all night. <laughs> um, basically, how are you feeling? I mean, I know that you had your gripes with the um, Prophet song, but. Uh, and,
0: ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, you, you really liked it. Didn't you? I, I, I mean, I, I, think it'll, I think it'll be a popular winner. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's not. It's a good chucky read, it's an interesting subject. But I'm very pleased for Paul Lynch. And I, I, as I say, I think a book that'll be one of those book of winners that that will sell well and that people will enjoy I think
1: honestly I felt like crying I think it's such a beautiful book I'm not just saying I'm not just doubling down on that now that it's (laughs) one
0: now that you've done it to be right
1: (laughs) but um, uh, quite genuinely I mean like it's certainly a very topical win isn't it between um, Ukraine and Palestine and the Congo but at the same time I mean I just think it is it is really maybe like complex on a sentence level but emotionally quite simplistic you're just feeling this like the rawness of what these characters are going through. So, I'm happy. And like, how great to have like run into him just before hearing that he, he took a beta blocker off Paul Murray, no less.
0: Pass me by. Um, uh, no, I must say, uh, I, I just, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna gripe. It's a little bit goodies and baddies for me, but it is a thrilling read. I mean, it's a, it's a thriller.
1: Well, now we have to go down to the press conference.
0: Yeah, we do, and we but have we to think... Do th- you have, do to you have think any them.
1: questions ready, I have nothing I've ready, got, to be
0: I've got one very literary question ready, which is what are your plans for the rest of the evening. <laughs> but um, there's also, what, what are you going to do with the money? There's always that old classic. Oh, there is that. Uh, so let's see if we can get more inspired when we go to the press conference. Oh, Come on, Joe, one last effort. James Walton, Booker Prize podcast. Uh, congratulations, Paul. Um, we can see this happening already tonight, but you are setting, or all, all, all the book, or the victory, or something is setting you up now as some sort of political spokesman yeah Uh, yeah, and i just wondered if that's sort of what you meant
2: yeah i'm distinctly not a political novelist um i'm more interested in uh use an old-fashioned term metaphysics i'm more interested in life and death and power and powerlessness and and how we don't know the world and how we are forced to make choices without knowing what the answers are going to be and how we reap the bitter crop of that and these are these are questions that the greeks addressed and i i feel like i'm an old-fashioned writer. In that regard, I I don't I realize the book is has has political energy to it, but I wasn't writing a political book. And I was aware of that when I was writing it, that that, that I wanted to to avoid the sort of pitfalls of, 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 of political fiction, which often leans towards grievance. I think the true emphasis of this
1: book is about grief. Hello, uh, Joe Ham, and Booker Prize podcast. <coughs> Congratulations to the both of you, actually. What is the end of a really grueling, intense process? Um, a question for both of you. Essie, in your speech, you said that you and the other judges were looking for a, a novel with a message that would outlast the time in which it was published in. Uh, so to the both of you, what is the message of *Profit Song that you think will, will outlast today and indeed the next few years?
7: Um, from the judging perspective, I mean, you were just so taken uh, with this uh, utterly visceral reading experience. Um, You know, I think that um, somebody mentioned this afternoon that, uh, you know, they were sort of wondering or positing that this novel uh, was maybe, uh, you know, selected because it spoke to what's going on uh, today uh, in the world. And I think. Part of the timelessness is that obviously you didn't just write this novel. I finished
2: it a year and a half ago. Exactly, uh, and Ukraine hadn't happened, happened actually even when I, when I'd finished the bulk of the work.
7: Exactly. So these are these are patterns that we're constantly um, seeing these, these moments of crises. That uh, this is just something that seems to be intrinsic uh, to human existence and. In that sense, I mean, this novel is so so impactful, and it really forces us, especially those of us who live in societies in which, um, you know, we're free of conflict and we really don't have to think about these things on a daily basis. I mean, to be able to enter Ailish's uh, world and perspective, you know, so closely and so intensely, we just thought that this is, you know, this was masterful, a masterful achievement.
2: I, I just add to that that, that the. You know the, the there's a the, the meaning of the title for Ailish later on in the book, where she realizes that, you know, the end of the world, according to the prophets, isn't it's not some sudden event like this sort of cataclysmic global end. It's actually just the end for you and your town. It's the end for you and your city. It comes it comes to your town or your city. and knocks on your door, and that what the prophets are singing about is actually what's reoccurring always timelessly and, and that's that's what the book is truly about and uh so just to echo that
0: okay joe well we've we've made it we uh followed the advice i think of almost every writer we've ever had on here which is only have two glasses of wine uh, until we've just finished all our duties about 20 minutes ago in which case since which time we've had more than two glasses of wine but uh, anyway have you, have, you, have you had a good night
1: um- I mean, I'm here with my bottle of fur Valmonte <laughs> that I've grabbed from the bar, swigging from it freely. I feel like I've had an out-of-body experience for this whole thing. Um, but yeah, you know, now that I've come back down to earth, I can say I'm having a good time with my free booze.
0: I must say it is really... It is probably exciting, the Booker Prize, I must say, because you do not know what's when there is no hint. I mean, obviously the judges knew and some people at Booker knew. We asked them not to tell us and they didn't. And that's just that bit where the winner is and anything could happen next.
1: Do you know what, though? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... There's no proof of this. Like, it's on a camera somewhere, but it didn't get to the live stream that I was a part of. About 20 seconds before Essie announced it, I went, profit song so i'm gonna you know it's it's a bit later than my prediction of last year but i'm gonna hang on to my crown and say that i've managed to predict them so far
0: (laughs) obviously it's rather impressive that you prophesied prophet song
1: exactly you asked a glorious question in the press conference, this idea of Paul Lynch being turned into a political pundit. I actually want to know what you think of that, because I think, you know, in that moment, he's kind of reeling and he also is maybe not feeling like talking to journalists, more like feeling like going down the pub and celebrating. But what did you make of all the questions to him of like, you know, what do you think about the state of the riots in Dublin? You know, do you you know, what side do you fall on uh, Israel versus Palestine? How, what were you thinking in that moment?
0: I mean, that's what made me ask the question, really. I just thought, oh, you poor sod. There's, there's people from sort of all across Europe. There's an Italian guy asking him about, you know, what, and there's just, basically, there's people from all over the world asking him what he thinks of the world. And I don't think that's what the book was meant to be. And I don't think he's, he is wants to be set up as a political pundit and a, a political guru. So I, I sort of asked him that question, I think in a slightly merciful way, in a a way to allow him to say, look, honestly, I don't know. I've just written this novel, Uh, which is sort of what he did say, I think.
1: Yeah. I have to say, um, you know, I think I've been going to ceremonies not as long as you have, James. You're a veteran. I'm not saying this is a dig. I'm saying this
0: is a compliment. (laughs) Um, Word veteran never absolutely unambiguously flattering, but carry on.
1: I have to say, though, I think for me, this is comparable to... um, watching Bernadine Evaristo on stage in the sense that the look on on Paul's face when he won there was this sort of like moment as if he'd like been hit in the gut of I really was not expecting this like I genuinely did not think this would happen I found myself tearing up a little bit how did you feel when he um when his name was called?
0: I mean, it, it, as I say, it is—it is, it is properly—it's is one of these things where you have no idea, uh, unless you're a prophet of prophet song. But I, um, oh, I couldn't quite get over my. Oh, I wish it was the Beasting, but I'm going to drop that now. It's a completely—it's a completely worthy winner. People will enjoy it. It's a really good book. Uh, still not sure about the politics, but then I think neither is he. And and it and, it's, and it has been a good night.
1: Well, I I stand by what I said in that shortlist special, which has now been validated by the judges. I I don't care so much because the book's so great.
0: Fair enough, and should we make one last effort to say our goodbyes with all the uh, things that we've got to mention? Why don't you, why don't you take it away, Joe? Why don't people follow us, for example?
1: <laughs> okay, through the bottle of uh, Valmonte that I'm drinking right now. Um, no, in fact, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and Substack at The Booker Prizes, and you can go to uh, thebookerprizes.com to find more information about this year's winner, Profit Song by Paul Lynch.
0: Uh, and join us next week when we'll be discussing Any Human art by William Boyd with our special guest Sarah Cox off of the telly and Radio 2 until then goodbye bye the Booker Prize podcast is hosted by Joe Hamia and me James Walton it's produced and edited by Kevin Miolo and the executive producer is John Davenport it's a Daddy Super Yacht production for the Booker Prizes